All right, we got a great interview for you guys today. Um, it's with Ryan Clayton from Americans Take Action. Uh, he's the guy who did this. Okay, you remember this at CPAC uh, when he got all the conservatives to wave Russian flags like idiots, um, <laughs> or perhaps they just wanted to wave Russian flags and they're they're, they're super cool with it. Uh, probably a combination thereof. So, uh, Ryan, first let's talk about this. Then we'll talk about Americans Take Action, and we'll talk about uh, how you got into. Um, Progressivism. Uh, you used to be with Wolfpack. We'll touch on that. So, but first, uh, how did you come up with the idea to do the Russian flags and hand them out at CPAC, the conservative uh, gathering? For sure. Well, I think one of the most important issues going on right now is the impeachment of Trump. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, you know, free and fair elections and winning the fight of constitutional amendment is top of my list. Uh, and then you get a fascist dictator that comes into office, mm -hmm. and you're like. Okay, well, we need to pivot a little bit and mm -hmm. think about you know the people that live in my neighborhood, you know mm -hmm. the people, the community members, family members that could be disastrously affected by this person being in that office. I think it's incumbent upon everybody in this country to do whatever you can. I mean, if you read a history book, you know what this looks like, right? So I think everybody has to do something to stop Trump. And I've decided that you know that's why I've kind of pivoted into uh, Americans Take Action and taking us down the road of being kind of the leading edge, the tip of the spear of the impeach Trump resistance. And this action, I think Russia is where he's most vulnerable, frankly. Mm -hmm. You know, I think their campaign obviously had contact with Russia throughout the campaign. Russia obviously interfered in our election. And then they obviously took credit for it. You know, so what did Trump know and when did he know it? And I think when that com information comes to light, he's going to be known as Benedict Donald till the end of time. And these Republicans are going to throw him out. And guess what? You know, Republicans, you get Mike Pence when you throw out you know, uh, Donald Trump, which I'm originally from Indiana, so trust me, I know what a dirtbag Mike Pence is, but way better than letting Donald Trump have his finger on the button of 7,000 nuclear weapons, you know? Yeah. So I remember when we used to work together, and you would, from time to time, uh, warn about fascism. Like, I remember you talking about that, and and certain guys that you were like, whoa, that, that leads uh, in, into fascism, and we've got to be super careful. That. Uh, look, we're both on the left, so of course we're careful about it. We just wish the Hillary Clinton campaign had been a little bit more careful uh, than than we were. Um, um, but uh, so the when you handed out the Russian flags with Trump's name on it at CPAC, I knew that you knew that you were going to you know get it was a prank and you were going to get kicked out and all that stuff. But uh, it's to draw attention to the fact that he's backed by Russia. Was it also a little bit of like, haha, watch these guys wave Russian flags? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, when we when we first got the flags or looked them up, you know, and they're like perfectly red, white, and blue, right? So uh -huh. it's like right then I was like, oh, I, this is going to be great, you know, because uh -huh. it's a red, white, and blue flag. You know, it's just not the American flag. You couldn't right. put Trump on the American flag; that would be disrespectful. But you could put it on some other red, white, and blue flag, right? Mm -hmm. And I just knew that if we put it on gold letters, just like Trump would, and <laughs> handed them out, people were going to love them. And honestly, you can see in the video, there's people like the the organizers of CPAC are like trying to grab these flags from people, and people are like. No, I want to. I want to keep my Trump flag, you know. And and even some of the people who like knew what it was, like we were handing out Trump flags, they'd walk past us, right? And then they kind of come back and they'd get it, and they'd be like, "Hey, hey, I actually want one of those," because they understood it wasn't a pro-Trump flag; it was an anti-Trump flag. So there was right. a lot of young conservatives in the audience, you know, and kind of milling about that were like interested in the flags because they knew what it meant, and they mm. thought it was a great memento, you know, making a great point that. You know, Putin picked Trump because he's good for Russia, not because he's going to make America great. Yeah, no, no. There's so many layers to that prank that I really enjoy, and it, well, the one I, that I liked was that 
for decades, uh, the right wing has been like, oh, Russia's terrible, and uh, they're the worst. And all they needed was just an alpha male, a leader, an authoritarian leader to come and tell them, no, Russia is now good. And they're like, yeah, Russia. I mean, yeah. it didn't take long. What did it take, like a year for yeah. them to change their long-held beliefs? They weren't right when they demonized Russia. They're not right now when they think Russia can do no uh, harm, right? And, and, and so, and look, and how much did Russia interfere in the elections? They did propaganda, right? There's no question they did propaganda. Did they hack the elections? I hope not. They, but they didn't even look into that. It's not like it's inconceivable. Remember, the Justice Department put out a warning right before the election. Hey, Illinois and Arizona's uh, voter registration system were hacked by the Russians, right? So now I don't know that they ever did a proper investigation of that, but now there's... At this point, no evidence that they did that. Well, what we know is they have motive, right? So there's right. like $500 billion of oil up in the Arctic. And as long as we keep the economic sanctions that we have on them for invading Crimea and Ukraine, then they can't get at that oil because they can't get a hold of ExxonMobil's uh, deepwater drilling technology. You know, mm -hmm. and, yep. and now, you know, Rex Tillerson, who was the CEO of ExxonMobil, who made the deal for the Arctic oil with Russia, um, literally created a company with the Russian government in the Caribbean, now he's our Secretary of State. You know, I'm pretty sure at the top of his list is getting rid of those sanctions. You know, that's why he's there. And, and if you look at it from a, like a means, motive, opportunity kind of perspective, like they have the means. We obviously know they did it. They have the motive. $500 billion of oil for a petrol state is a lot of money and a lot of like reason to get involved in our election. And then they had the opportunity. You know, they took that opportunity and they shoved Trump down our throats. And now we're all living through this nightmare that's, you know, just chaos and disorder every day coming out of the White House. Yep. So now let's go back. Uh, what? And so you're obviously super animated about this. As uh, I've known you for a long time, you're super animated about uh, all the things that you're passionate about in politics. Why politics? What? Like, wh how did you get into it? Uh, well, I was always interested in politics. You know, even as like a young kid. So like, my grandma would talk to me about politics. My whole family was conservative, right? Uh -huh. uh, but she was the one who would listen and kind of help me flesh out my ideas. And and you know, everybody else was kind of like, "What is this kid talking about politics?" You know, ten, eleven years old, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but really, I think uh, my political kind of career started when I had to figure out how to raise $5,000 in order to go back to school. You know, they were literally not going to let me register for classes in college unless I gave them a check for $5,000. Oh, wow. I didn't and, know that story. Where, where yeah. were you going to school? So it was Indiana University, um, uh -huh. and uh, mostly where I grew up in Indiana. Uh -huh. And so I was like, I don't even know how you make $5,000. Like, you know, I've worked at like, you know, landscaping, you know, mm -hmm. like you're not going to make $5,000 that way. Um, but I looked in the paper and there was like, I was like, you know, am I going to sell cars? Am I going to be a waiter or get two waitering jobs? You know, what do mm -hmm. I do? And I see this ad. It says, um, work outside, wear shorts, political activism, 350 base plus commission. And I'm mm -hmm. like, bingo, you know, mm -hmm. as long as these guys aren't like a bunch of right wing nut jobs, like mm -hmm. this sounds like the job for me. So I go in there and uh, there's a very pretty uh, lady giving the training that day who mm -hmm. I ended up dating uh, later on. Yeah. And, uh, and and worked uh, and worked with them for um, quite a while. Um, you know, uh, just talking to people about in-home health care for the elderly and, you know, nu stopping nuclear waste transportation and creating green, green energy jobs and new manufacturing jobs with clean technology. And uh, before anybody even knew what that would mean, you know what I mean? We're talking about manufacturing uh, new energy economy back in like the mid-90s, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and after that, you know, I was kind of like learning how to sell progressive politics in the heartland of America. And so it really was great, uh, really equipped me to kind of go forward in my career. Worked on a bunch of congressional campaigns after that, got on the campaign trail. Uh, be careful if you get on the campaign trail, it's hard to get off. Uh, did that mm -hmm. for about a decade. And um, 
moved to Washington, D.C., uh, following a girl. And uh, I see a uh, theme here. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was probably like, you know, I always said I would never move for, uh, for personal reasons. I would only move for professional reasons. But it ended up being the best professional decision in my life to move to Washington, D.C. for personal mm-hmm. reasons because ended up working at a pack and then getting a job in advertising. And then I met this great guy named Jank Uger. You ever heard of him? And I he, don't know what the great part, but you're a great guy part. But yes, yeah. I and hear I, you. I called him a patriot and he offered me a job and the rest is history, you know. So, so okay, but let's let's do, so I, so you were always in politics, 10, 11 years old. You're talking to your grandma about it. You get that one job to make money to stay in school. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I, this is the thing I like, right? I, so I see how that I develops. made the money, by the way. Just uh-huh. so you know, I actually made like $5,500. So, I had $500 left over and got to go back to school. So that's that's a pretty badass story. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was awesome, man. So when you got to D.C. before Wolfpack, uh, what did you work on? Um, mostly advertising, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> a really interesting time to be in the advertising, uh, political advertising field because it's going from like traditional media, it's all broadcast and, you know, cable and radio and newspaper ads, and then digital is coming out of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. And it's starting... You know, it's kind of like, let's spend some money on that when I get there, you know, and to like, by the time I left to come work for you running Wolfpack, it was like, what percentage of the budget are we allocating to digital mm-hmm. advertising? So I really had like a, you know, a, a passenger seat or driver's seat many times on campaigns where they're investing their digital dollars and kind of arguing that, you know, people are online now, you know, they're, they're getting their information on the internet. Like, and if you're not talking, you know, there's not 95% penetration on broadcast television anymore. Because I don't have a television, you know. Six months into that job, I got rid of my television because I figured out what we were doing with advertising, you know. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the impact of kind of the the digital revolution in advertising and really in our culture, I had a you know um, front row seat for it. Yeah, you know, I, I just did an interview uh, with an author about this uh, topic about how the Democrats are so late to this. But I personally saw it with my own eyes in 2014 after the midterm elections. I went and gave a speech in Washington. There was. Uh, and I was actually the MC of this event, and there was a lot of Democratic officials and consultants there. And they would all get up and they would say, oh, I spent 95% of my money, 99% of my money, 90% of my money uh, on television. And then whatever I had left over, I spent on digital. And they would like brag about it, like, hey, I did a little bit of digital. And I, and I got in trouble because, as I usually do, because I got up and told them that they were wrong and that they were greatly miscalculating. That digital is not some leftover stuff that, that you had a little bit of fun with, right? That that's where the audience was. And in 2016, unfortunately, I was proven massively correct. Right. By the way, Trump underspent, did not spend anywhere near the money Hillary Clinton did, but way overperformed in how he reached people in a way that was unexpected. So yeah. what is it about the Democratic Party that they just cannot get it through their skulls? Well, you know, what's really interesting in my experience is coming up through the Democratic Party and practical politics, working on congressional campaigns, mostly in the Midwest. You know, I started out as a field director and before that knocking on doors, you know. Um, and then I became a finance director and then I became a campaign manager and then I was, you know, finance director at a national level and, and then, um, you know, running other campaigns nationally. And I really saw how in each aspect of the campaign, the field, you know, was the first one to really become like revolutionized with the data and the technology that was available, and then finance, you know, had similar effects. And then campaign management, it really became like, you know, the traditional way of running campaigns, and then it was like the Internet was becoming more central. And and then you see this transition go from like, you know, it's really, we're really focused on the media, the earned media, the fundraising, and then all of a sudden there's this transition in a lot of campaigns now. It's like 
the hub of their campaign, the hub of the Bernie Sanders campaign, the hub of the Obama campaign in a lot of ways was their website, right? And everything else is kind of flowing out of that feedback loop. And I think that that is where we're going, not just in terms of politics and campaigns, but, you know, in terms of economics, in terms of news media, you know, in terms of our kind of like just social culture as a whole, you know, the, the feedback loop of the Internet is really just going to revolutionize everything. And I hope at some point it revolutionizes our government, too. You know, I would love mm-hmm. to see a feedback loop with, uh, you know, government like the BMV could really use like a Yelp. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if it was and if they were responsive to the people online, that would be an enormous improvement to being responsive to donors. Uh, which is, of course, uh, the work that uh, we did together at Wolfpack. So now you've left Wolfpack, uh, and uh, talk to me about uh, the new group, Americans Take Action. Uh, what is the primary goal for Americans Take Action? Well, we have three issues that we really focus on. Um, one is free and fair elections. So there's a little bit of overlap with my work uh, at Wolfpack. And if you ever, guys ever need a hand in a state legislature, you know, of course, uh, <laughs> Mike or Josh can give me a call. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'll be there. Um, you know, we also work on a purpose-driven economy, making sure that everybody's work is respected. You know, everybody works out there, um, mm-hmm. and they need to be reciprocated the value that they contribute in their paycheck, and make sure mm-hmm. we're paying people what they're worth. You know, mm-hmm. and then the third thing we work on is making sure that there's a free and open internet. Um, that you know, there's no slow lanes that are created for content, or slow lanes that are created for poor people who don't have as good of a Comcast plan. Right? Uh, make sure everybody has a free and open and a fast internet. Um, and the reason that I want to mention those three issues is that that is why we're fighting Trump. Um, Trump is a, is a mortal threat to the Internet as mm-hmm. it exists. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, The free and open Internet is really just in his crosshairs. The people that he's appointing to do Internet policy are industry shills that are the worst industry shills. You know? And I don't think any of us want to see the Internet deconstructed on Trump's watch. Um, the economy, this is a billionaire you know, who's not even really good at being a billionaire. He just got a lot of money. You know, if he'd invested the money his dad gave him and just let it sit there, he would be like have many more billions of dollars than he has now, right? Mm-hmm. But he's a rich guy that that's completely detached from what the real economy looks like, and he represents the worst of vulture capitalism, going in and tearing apart things and bankrupting companies and outsourcing jobs and making things overseas. Um, you know, I feel like he is going to create policy that's really going to restructure our economy, particularly tax policy that's going to be really destructive. Uh, to the economy of this country, and then free and fair elections. I mean, the way he was elected, hello, was not a free and fair election. You know what I mean? We have foreign powers coming into the United States uh, lobbying for one candidate or another. You know, in any other year, I'm just like, I just kind of sit back and I'm like, that is wrong. Like, we're arguing, normally we're arguing over like which billionaires are influencing our election and how that's wrong, the left billionaires or the right billionaires or whatever, right, or the lobbyists mm-hmm. or the special interest groups. This is a foreign government. Everybody knows a foreign government interfering in our elections is wrong, yeah, right, right? And mm-hmm. so we have to fix that. I was talking to the head of the, um, the, you know, the security committee on, in the Senate, U.S. Senate. I went and talked mm-hmm. to him. And I was like, so what are you going to do about that? You know, I talked to him about the whole Russia thing and, like, these cables that were coming out. And then I just asked him at the end, I just, you know, kind of a throwaway question. I said, so what are you going to do about that? And he was like, well, and he just didn't have an answer, you know what I mean? yeah. yeah. And I was just like, there are foreign governments interfering in our elections. So we need free and fair elections. You know, we got to get money out of politics. Uh, we got to make it so anybody can run for office, so it's free to run, right? And there's no barriers to running. Um, we got to get a constitutional amendment. We got to fix gerrymandering. You know, there's a lot to fix in our elections. Um, but I really think that the, the thing that's going to open the gate for that going forward is that we all know we don't want foreign governments interfering in our elections. So we got to set up some rules around elections again. 
Mm -hmm. right? So now yeah. the question will be, what rules are those? So uh, you've got the website, obviously, americanstakeaction.com. What action do you want them to take? Right now, if somebody's watching, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to volunteer? Do you want them to donate? What do you want them to do there? For sure. Well, if you know the Wolfpack way, uh, mm -hmm. you know, all the organizing is done in the States. It's the same with Americans Take Action. Um, they're all open Google groups, um, but they're not restricted to the singular purpose of free and fair elections. Right now, we're all mm -hmm. focused on the impeachment of Trump. So mm -hmm. we're building, you know, I'd say go to americanstakeaction.com, click on states. Um, and sign up for the Google group in your state and start organizing. Because mm -hmm. what we're going to need is a massive force of people that are willing to call in to those congressional districts and say, thank you for saying you're a Republican from a red district, but thank you for saying that you think that there should be a special investigator for Trump. Um, you know, calling into districts where Democrats are, you know, like I'm sure Joe Manchin is probably not going to be on, on board, right? Mm -hmm. So we need a bunch of people to call in and say, hey, we need you to stand up and have some backbone and demand a special investigation, demand impeachment. Because I do believe this. You know, the betting odds are that Donald Trump's going to get impeached within the first year of his presidency, right? Is that right, right yeah, now? Yeah, in Vegas. They're pretty mm -hmm. good odds, right? Uh -huh. So I think it's incumbent upon us to create the political will and actually apply the pressure to do that. So if people go to AmericanStakeAction.com, they click to get involved in their state, get involved in their Google group, you know, kind of the Wolfpack way that we set up, um, you know, right. and then start organizing um, the people in your state, in your Google group, to show up to actions, to show up to Trump rallies. Buy some, you know, TraderTrumpFlags.com, right? <laughs> Buy some of these flags and show up wherever Trump goes uh -huh. and make sure he sees these flags. And, um, you know, organizing your community to make sure that we're telling Congress, hey, this guy's not right. He's the yeah. wrong He's the wrong kind of a red, white, and blue. You know? Right. So, so, of course, there's a difference between the two groups, uh, significantly so because Wolfpack's Nonpartisan, and and you uh, with America's Take Action are you, it's a call to arms for progressives and eventually Republicans who are patriots, right? For sure. Uh, uh, to to say, hey, this is not the right way, and you know if it's Pence or another Republican, we get it. The Republicans won the election, but uh, but but this guy uh, benefited from interference. Is that the tip of the spear in terms of if you're trying to get impeachment? Is the is the first step to do that special investigation on Russia? Yeah, I think, you know, there's um, Jeff Sessions that just came out today. The new attorney general is um, on record having contact with Russian diplomats during the course of the campaign. You know, so he can't investigate this, right? Right. right. Uh, or he's the head of the Department of Justice, sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yep. so he can't investigate this, right? So now mm -hmm. it has to be somebody that's independent, right? That doesn't have any connection to the Russia. Who knows what he said to those Russian diplomats? But we do know that people from the Trump campaign were talking to people in Russia during the campaign, right? And the deal that they were making, in my opinion, right, is that you get us selected and we're going to get rid of those sanctions. You know, yeah. Carter Page, Paul Manafort, um, uh, Michael Flynn, these are all people that were involved in having those conversations with the Russians. That's, tr that's treason, you know? And I think it, when we wrap that around his neck and pull it tight, I think that's when we get to boot Trump out of office. And I do think it's going to happen. You know why? Because not only do Democrats want it, the Koch brothers want it. Because they want President Pence. You know? mm -hmm. But what I want is a president that's hobbled by impeachment hearings and then is impeached. And then the guy that replaces him can never win a national election. Mike Pence will never win a national election. And I want to run midterm elections with Mike Pence after Trump was impeached, right? trying to explain to the country how he's actually got a handle on this. And if we get one House of Congress in the midterms, then we can prevent all of the bad things that Mike Pence wants to do, you know? Yeah, and so, uh, by the way, the, the wrapping it around his neck is metaphorical, okay? Okay, so um, 
So yeah, last thing on that is that look, I, I wear a decent number of hats, right? I do a lot of different things. But as a news person, as I look at it, guys, were they involved with the Russians? The answer is, of course, they didn't make all those calls for their health. They didn't call Norway 18 different times. I mean, the day that, that, that there are more sanctions announced, the guy who's going to be the national security advisor with Trump, Mike Flynn, has five calls with the Russian ambassador. It's almost he's, like he's checking in for orders. Occam's razor, right? It's the simplest answer. This Rex Tillerson is the guy who made the half a trillion dollar deal with Russia. And Trump, because he is so non-nuanced, goes, hey, you, you that's a deal we made with Putin. So you're going to be the Secretary of State, and then you're going to just lift the sanctions, and then everybody's going to get half a trillion dollars, or at least you are and I am, right? And Russia is, and nobody else is, right? It's so obvious. It's right there sitting in front of you and sitting as Secretary of State, let alone all those calls. So now you might, we, we don't know the exactly what happened, well, exactly what was said in those calls, exactly what deal was made, and the contours of that deal. And I think that your point, Ryan, is, well, let's investigate and find out. And if it turns out, no, they just kind of felt like they liked the oil wrestle, and and that's what they were just talking about. That then okay, then then okay, we'll find that out. Or if they talked about things where there was an actual deal being made and and advantages traded back and forth, well, then you get into an issue of is this our government or is it their government? Because if they're the ones who put this guy in. Place. I mean, I, I, th- I think it was Krugman who called him the Siberian candidate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, again, Putin didn't pick Trump and support him because it's good for America. It's not going to make America great. It's going to make Russian interest great. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help Russia. There's a reason they're doing it. And from his perspective, it makes a lot of sense, right? But it's obvious to anyone who's been reading and paying attention. Carter Page met with them when he was at a conference in Moscow. Um, Paul Manafort is like essentially his day job is accomplishing the foreign policy objectives of the Russian Federation, like supporting the guy they wanted in Ukraine. Like they talk to these people. You yeah, know? paid millions they're, of dollars for that. Yeah, they're working with them already. They work for the Russians, you know. And like, you know, we live in a global world, but I still think we want like our sovereignty protected. I don't think we want our president looking out for Putin as his number one. I think we want him looking out for the American people's interests as his number one. And we can have disagreements on what the best thing to do for the American people is. But I don't want somebody that's Putin's puppet. I, and I don't want anybody that, you know, if Hillary Clinton had done the same thing, that's what's most telling about the, the Daryl Issa comment, right? If Hillary Clinton had done the same thing, would there be an immediate independent investigation? Oh, my like, God. Of course. Could you of, imagine if Hillary <laughs> Hillary Clinton's people had called Russia 18 times on a day of sanctions, had called the Russian ambassador five times. If yeah. Hillary Clinton appointed the, you know, yeah. I mean, you name it, it goes on and on. Of course, they would be screaming bloody murder. They're handing the country over back to the commies, yeah. they would say in an anachronistic way. And, you know, Reagan didn't win the Cold War to, so that they could just hand over our country to the evil empire. And I'm pretty sure Eisenhower didn't go and, like, beat down fascism around the world so that, you know, these guys could just become authoritarians here at home, you know, and Lincoln didn't save the Union, uh, you know, so that these guys could dismantle it, deconstruct it, break it apart, and auction it off to some foreign nation, you know, so we need to, we got to fix this problem, we're in, we're in dark days, man, like really dark days, like when we talked about fascism before, like it's here, you know, I had to meet with people that live in my community and talk about what happens when people knock at the door. Mm-hmm. 
like yeah. that conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like that's the America we live in today, and everybody knows in their gut there's something really wrong here. And I think we can be the message to history that you can see it coming, and you can grab it in time, and you can keep people like this from hurting millions and millions of people around the world and in our country. You know, because yeah. I do think Donald Trump wants to go and round up 10 million people and kick them out of this country, I, and it takes an army to do that, right? Uh, knocking on doors indiscriminately, like going and rounding up people, and we're already doing it. You know, they're following school buses home. Uh, they're, they're going to churches and grabbing people coming out of church and deporting them. They're putting people in cages before they deport them. I mean, it's disgusting, and it's just the tip of the spear. So I think we can be the lesson to history that we can send is you can see it coming, and you can stop it, and you can stop people like this if you take action, right? And that's why it's called Americans Take Action, because the question isn't whether or not you care and agree with us. Most people do. Everybody knows there's something wrong with this guy. The question is whether you take action. And it doesn't even require everybody to do something. You don't need 90% of Americans to do something, right? There's a great book um, called How Nonviolence Works or something to that effect by Erica Chenoweth. And it says that you only need 3.5% of the population taking action on a sustained basis and engaged to win a revolution, right? No revolution in the last 100 years that got 3.5% active and sustained participation of the population lost, violent or nonviolent. But nonviolent mm-hmm. revolutions are two to three times more likely to win. Right, so that's why we're nonviolent strategically as well as like morally and philosophically. But you know, that's nine million people, nine million adults in America. Right? How do we get nine million people active and engaged to impeach Trump? Because I think we can do it. Well, funny enough, uh, I asked uh, just the other day um, our data guy here, as Bush would say, um, how many subscribers Young Turks has now across uh, Facebook, YouTube, and other platforms. The answer was nine point eight million. So nice. Up and at him. And uh, <laughs> Obama's email list is something like 9 or 10 million. Bernie's was like 7 or 8, uh-huh. you know, and, and MoveOn's is somewhere equivalent in there, right? So yeah, well, you, Obama's not going to do any revolution, but Bernie and MoveOn, <laughs> we can have a conversation. Right, right, right. But I mean, like, just think about the, the transformational change that accompanied each of those campaigns, right? Mm-hmm. And whether or not they actually achieved their policy objectives at the end of the day, Bernie, you know, didn't win. Obama didn't fix all the problems he said he was going to solve. Um, you know, MoveOn didn't necessarily stop the Iraq war, but the, the things they left in the culture, in the political culture of this country, I have no doubt. It's like turning the thermostat. You know, It doesn't immediately go from 70 to 80, right? Yeah. It, you turn the thermostat, and then it rises and rises and rises. And right now what you have in America is this just swelling wave of enthusiasm for our objectives. Most Americans are progressive. Most Americans want the things that we want for you know, ourselves and our fellow countrymen. And we're going to get it. We're going to win. You know, things like Justice Democrats, things like Wolfpack, things like Americans Take Action, things like Indivisible and Move On and all the other folks that have been really thrown down. PCCC, Bold Progressives. You know, yep. these people are pushing and fighting and resisting. And there's more people turning out for marches for the Women's March than there are for the inauguration. You know, mm-hmm. and I think we live in a historical moment. And I'm so heartened to see so many people in the streets, people that have never taken action before are starting to do it. And that's why we named it Americans Take Action again, because we want Americans. We only need 9 million of you out there, okay? We need 9 million folks to join us. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to win. We're going to impeach this asshole, right? <laughs> and then we're going to go win the next fight, too. We're going to tear down trickle-down economics and rip it apart and replace it with a new vision for what the economy should look like. We're going to get a constitutional amendment for free and fair elections. Russia, I think, pretty much guaranteed that, mm-hmm. actually, because mm-hmm. there's no way to stop foreign money if you can't stop it domestically, right? right? And we're also going to save the Internet. So join yeah. us. Yeah. 
and as Larry Lessig uh, says, you've got to strike at the root of the problem from all the different angles. So all those organizations you just named are striking from a different angle, but with the hopefully the same purpose of bringing our democracy back, right? Yeah. And so, uh, and that's the one thing that we could all agree on, including Republicans, conservatives, libertarians, uh, as well as progressives, obviously. Democracy Spring, another great one. Yes, you know? that's right. Uh, so all with different objectives uh, and different methods, but but we all deeply care about the country and want to solve the same problems. For sure. All right, uh, Ryan Clayton. America? One more thing, one more thing. Yes. So uh, there was this moment of the inauguration that we did, and you can't quite see it in the picture. Have you seen the picture with us wearing the sweatshirts that say resist? Yes, I saw it. Of okay. course. Yeah. So we stood up during the inauguration while Trump is taking the oath of office. We like trained like all night, right? Everybody's up to like 3 a.m., right? Mm -hmm. Like training and going over, and we literally set Obama's inauguration so we'd know the exact words that were going to come out, got folding chairs, and we're like practicing all night, right? Um, and when he goes, when Donald Trump gets up to take the oath of office, you can't really see it from the picture because the newsstands are up here looking back this way at us, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? But we're like 30 or 40 yards from the guy. Mm -hmm. You know, we're less than like, you know, a third of a football field away from him. You know that big white tower in the middle? Yep, yep. That's like right over here, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if you watch it again, you can actually see, like, people like uh, Melania and uh, Ivanka and the other girl, daughter's name, I don't remember her name, kind of look, you know, mm -hmm. they kind of, like, look over, and, and, like, that's us, like, yelling at the president, like, right when he's taking the oath of office. And we just wanted to send him a message, you know, we did Hamilton electors to send him a message that before day one, we're going to be up here, up in your grill, right, um, and hopefully prevent you from getting to office. But we were there right at the inauguration to say... You know, every day, every step of the way, we will resist you. We will liber limit your liberty of action and make sure that you don't hurt millions of people here or around the world. And that's all of our jobs. We all have to get in this fight. And that's why we're doing Americans Take Action. And I really appreciate, you know, all the work we've done together and you being a supporter of Americans Take Action and really doing a lot with the, the show. And, uh, you know, I'm still TYT forever, man. All right, rock and roll. Brian Clayton, everybody check out AmericansTakeAction.com. Uh, be part of the solution.